Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. This is Darren Doctorman, and we are the Inglorious Trexperts. I thought it was a classic femme fatale. So much fun. I like that Shakespearean lace in your acting. I said, Gene, what do you want from this character? I want you to just take the character and make it your own. <laughs> <laughs> I had a good time on the film. On day one, the movie was already $15 million over budget. We started this movie without an ending. That's like painting yourself into a corner. I don't think we've ever had a Star Trek oh, captain on our show. True. Being, as you said, number one of the, on the call sheet, it is a producer's position if you're going to take it seriously. I was so glad they didn't cast me as Lorca. <laughs> <laughs> you famously wrote that script in 12 days. On one level, I wrote the script. And on another level, the story was written by everybody and sure. his brother. Well, I was going to say, what was your response when you were directing and, and Terry you know, sort of called you aside and said, hey, uh, I want you to get back in front of the camera again. I said, he sort of chummed the water a little bit. Are you ready to play Riker? What I thought was saying was you better go to the gym and lose some weight. <laughs> Are you going to trim your beard? Don't cut your hair. You know, my interest was totally peaked. It's not hyperbole to say it's the best Riker material I've ever had. New episodes available every Thursday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Or subscribe today at TrexpertsPlus.com. But keep on trekking, and gloriously, of course. Promos in three, two, one. Darren, it's so exciting. The Inglorious Live Tour 2023 is continuing and with the lead singer, me and uh and and and, <laughs> For I, now. and, I, and I, yeah, right exactly on guitar it's darren Doctorman, and on drums it's ashley edward miller what a band sometimes i like to switch to drums occasionally and just yeah. you know push ashley off to the side <laughs> <laughs> well we're we're thrilled because we are having such a great time uh around these uh, wonderful united states and it's only because we haven't been invited to europe yet it's our um, mostly live tour it's our mostly live tour and it, it, it's been terrific. And, and we're going to be uh, as, you know, uh, obviously um, we go every year. It's It's been uh, a long tradition. We'll be back at the San Diego Comic-Con July 19th through the 23rd. And of course, uh, we're looking forward to bringing uh, the great Starship Smackdown back to San Diego. Um, and uh, but uh, then uh, the following week, July 27th to the 30th, we're going to be in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. Did I say or, that right? Or Raleigh. Oh, okay. One day I'll get it right. Well, but well, uh, we're, we're not going to rally to pronounce Raleigh correctly. We're we're not the only ones. Uh, Guardian of the Galaxy, uh, Karen Gillan will be there. Uh, Charlie Cox from the, the Daredevil himself. Uh, Paul Wesley, who uh, you know and love from Vampire Diaries. That's right. Um, <laughs> Ian Summerholder also. Uh, Stephen Stephen Amell. Uh, he uh, he did not fail the city. He's going to be there. Uh, and Billy D. Williams. Will he have any Colt forty five? That'll be exciting. Oh, Look who we have here? <laughs> That's right. You surely belong with us here in North Carolina, in Raleigh. <laughs> Find out if the uh, gas mining business is really starting to pay off. Um, Marina Sirtis will be there, feeling great joy and gratitude for her invitation. Uh, John Delancey. Uh, coming off his uh, spectacular uh, um, uh, cameo appearance in uh, Picard. I think people are going to have a lot of questions for the great John Delancey. Yeah, Brent Spiner will be there. Uh, Gates McFadden, Denise Crosby, um, and uh, Will Friedel. It's going to be a hoot. It's going to be a hoot. But you know what? The, you know who I'm most excited about? 
And I'm sure we'll be doing the Q&A with him for the our first Q&A with him. Todd Stashwick. Nice. No. Yes. yes. No. No. I'm therefore going anyway. Uh, <laughs> we are. <laughs> That's going to be great. Uh, he, he's he's hitting the convention circuit big time. And I think people are really excited to see him. So uh, I know we are. And he's selling yeah. T-shirts. Is he? I think so. Okay. It's now, post. <laughs> if you missed us so in San Diego and you missed us in North Carolina, guess where we're going to be the next weekend? <laughs> next weekend is something uh, big. Yeah, it is. It's the 57 mission, 57 year mission convention in Las Vegas, Nevada, with Las our friends Vegas. at Creation Entertainment, August 3rd through the 6th. That's going to be a big one. Yeah, that's going to be big because I think uh, it's a lot of excitement about Star Trek after Picard season three. So uh, people are going to be there and they're going to be uh, they're going to be excited. Uh, hopefully uh, it would see all these. I can't even begin to list everyone that's going to be there. It's it's quite a bit of people. But I'm, I'm know, trying to arrange some uh, uh, karaoke time. Uh, what? Yeah. What are you, you talking were, about? You You know what I'm talking about. Karaoke time. I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to get involved with uh, some karaoke with uh, people we know. <laughs> oh, okay, I just got it. Okay, um, <laughs> and uh, then uh, the uh, following month uh, we're going to be in Austin, Texas, the great Austin, Texas. Don't mess with Texas. September first to the third. Uh, uh, once again, Ashley Miller will be joining us, and uh, the great Jonathan Frakes will be there along with many other members of the cast. Uh, uh, our favorite person, the Another great Galaxy Con. Yeah. And uh Bill Shatner, of course, will be there. Gene Carlo Esposito, Brett Bassinger from Super uh from Stargirl, Chris Sarandon from Fright Night. Nice. And uh I don't know how I'm gonna not get away with not bringing my son because Matt Lanter, uh, who plays Anakin on the Clone Wars, and James Arnold Taylor, who plays Obi-Wan, are both gonna be there. I think Isaac is going to be uh demanding. I demand it. That I bring him to Austin. We'll see what I, happens. I just want to keep walking by uh, the uh, Obi-Wan actors uh, booth and just say, hello there. Just keep <laughs> doing it all weekend. <laughs> that sounds great. Well, if you want more information about any of these conventions or Columbus, Ohio, December 1st through the 3rd, go to galaxycon.com. Galaxycon.com. Uh, where you can find out more of these great GalaxyCon conventions. Uh, if you're interested in San Diego, ComicCon.org. And, of course, CreationEnt.com for uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. We hope to see you at one or all of these shows in the coming months. And until then, on behalf of Darren, Ashley Miller, and myself, keep on trekking all the way to North Carolina, ingloriously, of course. Okay. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. This is Darren Docterman. And it might very well be Ashley Miller. And we are the Inglorious Trexperts. And today, we're not going to share a secret pain. We are <laughs> going to share a secret delight with you. We have none other than Cybok himself, the great Lawrence Luckenbill, joining us to talk about Yes, he's going to talk about Star Trek V. No, 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 no surprise there. Sure. But he is here to talk about his incredible career, which spans sixty years. He said sixty years, six decades, and it, it's 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 remarkable. And we're so thrilled 
to have him on the podcast. As as people, longtime listeners of the podcast know, we are all uh, big fans of Star Trek V. Um, obviously, we you know understand the flaws that exist, but um, we have been big boosters for this film for a long time. A couple of weeks ago, we had Cynthia Gao. Uh, Caitlin Dar on the show, uh, but this Why was our do white, that voice. This was our white whale. We really wanted to get Larry on the show to talk about Cybok because we knew he'd have great stories, and we're not going to disappoint you. Isn't that true, guys? Yes, uh, that is true, yes. as you say. Well, and <laughs> I do want to give you a heads up, as you know, um, uh, when we uh, when we, we bring Larry on. Um, we really spend a lot of time in depth on his career, but rest assured, we will get to Star Trek at some point during the conversation. <laughs> That's the plan. <laughs> but, uh, but we're, 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 you know, what a thrill. And, and I know that Larry's talking about writing his memoirs now, and I have a feeling uh, that they will be, to steal a phrase, fascinating. But that's <laughs> enough of our yakking. <laughs> I think uh, uh, we should uh, get to the main course. So without any uh, further ado... Um, Let's uh, uh, beam Larry Luck and Bill on board. Well, we're delighted to have Lawrence Luck and Bill with us here today. And and maybe if you like the interview, we can call you Larry by the end of the uh, end Absolutely. of the interview. That's okay. okay. <laughs> so I, I want to ask. My father was Lawrence. I'm, I'm Larry. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. I, I, if we can call Shatner Bill, we can call you Larry, right? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I want to ask, you know, at the very early in your career, I mean, people talk about soft power and American culture and how how that can be even more important and is more important than, you know, the most powerful weapons. And you spent a bunch of time during the Kennedy administration teaching theater. You were in Italy, you were in Africa. Um, talking about the virtues and the, and the importance of American theater, I'd love to know what precipitated this for you. How, where did this, and how long did you do it, and what was that experience like for you? Okay, uh, this is an interesting thing. Uh, I don't know if anybody remembers Sergeant Shriver, mm-hmm. but he was mm-hmm. he was uh, uh, in the Kennedy family and in the in the administration. And uh, he was given charge of something that uh, John wanted to do, JFK wanted to do, which was to expand our our um, our, our our heart out to the other countries that we were not we were sort of ignoring, and one was Africa, the continent, and uh, so uh, they had. Uh, they sent uh, uh, some teachers, uh, university people, uh, from uh, my my particular university was Catholic University in Washington D.C., and I had just graduated from there, and I was doing a uh, I was doing a Shakespeare festival with uh, John Lithgow's daddy Arthur mm-hmm. out in Ohio. And I got word from uh, from the State Department, who sent me a huge package of stuff, saying I've been recommend you've been recommended to go to Africa as a cultural representative of the United States through the State Department. And of course, I did not know what the hell was going on, but it, I, I was intrigued by this thing. And then my friend uh, Joe Lewis, who uh, was the costumer 
for the theater department at Catholic U called me and he said, did you get the stuff? And I said, yeah. I said, well, fill it out and uh, we'll see if we can get you in this program because I just finished doing it in Rhodesia, which is now Zimbabwe. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was on the on the brink of becoming Zimbabwe, where things were changing in Africa. So I got my uh, my particular assignment was going to be the Sudan Khartoum. And if you look at the newspaper today, there's uh, another war going on in Sudan. They're not doing a lot of theater in Sudan these days. Yeah, no. And uh, so I filled out these papers and uh, sent them in. And I'm I'm pretty good about filling out papers, but I, I when it came to the reference things, I uh, I gave my auntie as a reference. Uh, she was a teacher, uh, 45 years in Arkansas, where I came from, and uh, uh, she was the only one I could think of to, to give me a reference. Not Arthur Lithgow, not anybody else. Yeah, <laughs> and so. Uh, Joe called me back and he said, uh, okay, I, I, I gather you've sent this stuff in. And I said, yeah, I, I, uh, and he said, who did you use his references? And I, I told him and he said, you, uh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're just your aunt. I said, yeah. And he said, well, uh, you've got to think of somebody else. And I said, well, I'm from Arkansas. I don't know anybody, <laughs> which is. Uh, more true now than it ever was. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, he said, "Well, what about uh, William J. Ful J. William Fulbright, the senator from Arkansas, who was the most famous guy in educational outreach across the world?" And I said, "Oh, all right." I, I threw his uh, his his uh, his his mother the newspaper. I delivered the paper to his mother. And they said, well, okay, so you've got a complete connection. I'm on my bicycle through it. Anyway, uh, so I I sent out a, a note to Bill Fulbright, and it was pretty much the same note as I wrote as my reference. And I said, uh, I would I would like to do this and uh, to represent Arkansas with that because that's where I started to learn carpentry and all kinds of uh uh, stagecraft. And then I went to Catholic University and uh, uh, that was continued. And I feel like I'm prepared to go somewhere and tell, talk about the United States and in culture. And by, by return mail, I got the job by return mail. Wow. <laughs> and there were a hundred and something applicants for this. And I had no idea all the professors in the, in the whole country, drama, drama groups, were, were trying to get the job, but I got the job. Wow. So I went to Africa. And what I found was Sergeant Shriver had taken seriously what, uh, what uh, President Aboud, who was the, uh, the uh, dictator, the military dictator of Khartoum, of, of Sudan at that time, but he was a benevolent dictator, and he really was. I got there when he was still in in power, but Sergeant Shriver took literally what Kennedy said, which is we want to give to the Africans what the Africans want for themselves. 
Now that sounds great, doesn't it? Give to the Africans what the Africans want to do. Okay, let's give to the um, to the to the MAGA people what is best for the MAGA people, what they really want. I don't think so. So there, there's that little uh, clicker in there that that doesn't hit your brain until you're actually on the site. Mm. I got to Africa, and I had meetings with um, two of the the uh, the ministers, and it took a long time to re actually reach these ministers. In the meantime, I gave lectures, and I I uh, put on plays with the the British. Uh, council and I put on prize for the United States Information Agency, and I was trying really hard to reach the people and find out what it was that they wanted uh, as a national theater. They had asked for a national theater, and here I was, 25 years old, trying to do, develop a national theater. Well, I'm I'm a good scholar. I studied Arabic before I went, and I studied the wrong Arabic. I didn't study. Uh, uh, er, classical Arabic is what I studied, and the Sudanese Arabic is a dialect, mm. and so it's uh, nobody understood me when I was trying to talk to them, but uh, I tr I tried my best, and uh, so the ultimate thing was what the Africans wanted. I found out from the two very corrupt uh, public officials was uh, one wanted a sports ar arena. And the other, the other one wanted uh, wanted an ice rink, and uh, so I thought, if only Shriver had known this, they could have sent out some guy from from a wow. sports team, you know. <laughs> Instead, they got you. <laughs> yeah, so they got me, and and uh, who I found to work with were two groups. One was the student group at the university. And they were already in, in practice to do a play called Arms of the Man by George Bernard Shaw, hmm. which is a spoof uh, parody of the military. And I thought, well, this is kind of dangerous, isn't it? And the, the young man who was running the thing said, no, 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 this will be fine. This will be fine. We'd like you to direct it. So I I, I did. And we got to the the very edge of producing it when inviting the audience. And uh, at the same time, I had been uh, I had been working with a group in, in Omdurman, which was the old 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 town opposite uh, Khartoum on the Nile. Mm -hmm. And I had a little Lambretta scooter and I would run across the, the Nile bridge every day several times to try to work with these people. And guess what they wanted? They wanted me to direct Macbeth in Arabic. Uh -huh. so I had a translator, and of course. And what happened was, bottom line here, I want to get to the bottom of this story. We began uh, our rehearsals for Macbeth in the compound where these people who were mostly doctors, pharmacists, um, uh, professional men, lawyers, and uh, I, they had hired a, a prostitute from uh, from uh, Ethiopia to play Lady Macbeth, and as you do, yeah, 
Yes, and believe me, believe me, this was a very dangerous thing to do because at that time women were not on the stage, they were not allowed, and it was a religious thing, as you know, these crazy things. Mm -hmm. And so we got stoned. Oh they were, uh, no, no, I don't mean this. <laughs> no, no, no tokes. We were, we were actually stoned uh, when our first first real rehearsal. Stones came in. One hit the the uh, the son of the uh, the man who was running it, and a, a, a crowd gathered and was screaming at us. And I was uh, like, uh, "Let's see, how do I get out of here and back to Khartoum?" on my scooter and the man who was running the whole thing um, he went out and calmed everyone down and he said this young man has come to the united states to show us some things from american culture and uh, i would appreciate it if if you would leave him uh to go in peace and i said uh uh salam Alaikum, and uh, they said it back to me. So I was able to escape. It wasn't so, so nice with the uh, with the company of Arms and the Man. The night before our, our first performance, uh, we rehearsed, and it was actually terrible. The, the 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 actors did not know how to act, and there was no way to actually tell them how to act. The only things they had ever seen were American Westerns and uh, uh, weird stuff from Greece and and, uh, and uh, Lebanon and so on. And uh, so um, uh, we left it at that. I thought this will be this will be a good learning experience for these young people. So uh, I, I came back the next day to get everything ready. And on my way to the, I was riding my scooter down Jamhuria, Al-Jamhuria, the, the way of the people, and to this beautiful gate, which represented, the, which was the, the university. And I heard noise behind me, and I turned around, I pulled over, and there were some, there was an American Sherman tank coming up, up the alleyway, and uh, there were trucks full of soldiers. Now, I, I, I was an army reservist. I knew that who, how many people were in a truck, and they were all armed. So I thought, I see. I better get my scooter off the road here. And I did, and there were big banyan trees overhanging this, this place. So I went and, and hid my scooter behind a banyan tree, and I, I sort of watched because I could see the gate of the university. And these these trucks drove up, the, backed by the tank, the Sherman tank. And they began to, uh, there were explosions. And uh, they, they, uh, they were shooting tear gas at the students who were uh, protesting the fact that they were trying to shut down the show. Right. Shut down the university, shut down the show. Well, they this did. is not what Sergeant Shriver had in mind. No, no, we're going to give the Africans what what the Africans want for themselves, and at that point they wanted chaos. Well, wow. at that point they also wanted a, a, a sports arena and an ice rink. So, wow, 
it's that could be an amazing movie. You just call it Larry of Arabia. I mean, yes, yeah, Lawrence, Lawrence of, of <laughs> Khartoum. Yeah. Well, you know, Khartoum is a storied town and an underman too. And uh, that's where there's so much history here that I could gabble on, and you guys would be like, what did he say? Nothing. Uh, <laughs> you know, I could tell you all about Gordon Pasha and how he was stabbed on the steps of the palace and all that stuff that happened. The English, the British, uh, when they were there, but anyway, the uh, in in effect, my my going to Africa was uh, a, a failure, uh, in in one sense. In the other sense, I learned exactly how altruistic our government really is at bottom. How much there is no cynicism in the State Department. I shouldn't say that as a as a fact because there is cynicism in government, uh, the way things work, and uh, because people get bored and they they see that these these edicts are not working and all of that. But we keep trying, right. and at that time the issue was keep the Russians from taking over Africa. Right. And even the Chinese at that point had had some fingers out there, but uh, it was really the Russians. It was Brezhnev and those people, and uh, so and uh, there are so many stories that I've I've been able to write in my book about how how we we conducted ourselves there, and the same thing in Italy. Uh, I when I went there, the best thing about that was I found a girlfriend, but. Uh, <laughs> a beautiful girl <laughs> who who loved me, but I I I I I just sort of loved that someone was being in love with me, you know. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was young and I was uh, I was freakishly ambitious about being an actor, and uh, and so this was a, a sort of a side trip for me. But uh, in Italy, I met. One night, a defector from Czechoslovakia who tried to induce me to take her uh, to my hotel and get her out of uh, the, the Czech company of uh, theater people right. who were working there. She wanted to leave, and she was the leader of it. Mm. And I thought at the same time, I thought, uh-huh, yes, I've been around these people long enough to know that this might be just one of those honeypot things. Honey, honeypot, yeah, yeah. I ain't doing that. I ain't doing that. And, uh, but I, I tried to help her. I said, listen, if you come to, uh, I'll take you to the, the embassy if you come with us on the train tomorrow. You have to leave on your own right. and meet us at the train station. Come with the company back to Rome. We were in Parma. And uh, I will... Uh, I will take you to the embassy and see what I could do for you. And she wouldn't do that. So mm. I figured something was going on. I have a I have a question in hindsight now. Yes. Um was there uh should the uh the offering to uh, Africa with uh, with you have happened or was the do you think that there was a, another way that could have been done that would have accomplished the goals? Rather than with me, well, rather than rather than with the plan that they had, 
Um, I don't think so. Mm. Because the two ministers, as I said, before I left, just before I left, both ministers were arrested who were involved in choosing this and making this happen. One was arrested because of the Aswan Dam. He had taken a bribe to get the date palm farmers uh, sort of lose their land, but he would get the money from Egypt right. to condemn that land. And all these date farms were up there at the bottom end of the Aswan, the Aswan Dam. People don't remember this stuff, but the uh, the big jam on the on the Nile, and uh, uh, so he went. He was actually uh, hanged. Uh, the other minister was arrested uh, because he had uh, issues with uh, young men, and uh, he was he was uh, he was also condemned. But I don't know if he he was killed. But uh, there was it, it was an ancient time in 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 the Sudan. The Sudan has not. Yes, it's progressed, but it's progressed in such ways that all those ancient feelings are still there. All those they ancient feelings have been they, they have been not. eradicated. Yeah, they have not, and the uh, the Arabs were busy trying to oppress the Nilotic uh, tribesmen, right. tribespeople down the Nile, further further south, and. Uh, to take them away from their Catholic education that they were being given by the white fathers, uh, 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 the Catholic fathers in, from Rome. And uh, and uh, so it, uh, the, the, the upshot of it is we, we go in where angels fear to tread. Right. And as, as Americans. We go in as as the kind of fools, but we're good fools, right. and I believe that. I still believe that, and I I I, I listen to what is being said. I used to read foreign affairs all the time, and listen to what the people really are trying to do in in Washington. And uh, if you really believe in democracy, which they certainly did in in Kennedy's day. There was this sense of the best and the brightest, and there was a sense of America is a great country, and let's let's spread it, spread it, let's spread its message. And I was trying my best to do that, yeah. and uh, everybody around me was, and my my boss was a uh, was a guy like uh, if you know the actor Keenan Wynn. Sure, sure, yeah. Uh, this guy looked like a Keenan Wynn <laughs> with the long mustache. Yeah. yeah, I can I can get that for you, pal. Don't worry about that. <laughs> uh, but he was an absolutely uh, straightforward man. I really learned from him, and I loved him. His name was Harry Hudson, and uh, he was the real thing. And you're going to have to answer to the Coca Cola Company. Yeah, Keenan Wynn and Strange Love. <laughs> he, he he understood all that stuff that was going around him, but he was a straight guy, and uh, so I was lucky. I had I had an incredible experience, 
I came back to the to New York uh, from there, and I had just started in New York. I had just started when I got this job, and I left for two years. And I came back, and I immediately got my first Broadway job. Uh, I went to, to the national tour of uh, A Man for All Seasons, mm -hmm, sure. playing Roper, the son-in-law of Thomas More. And uh, so things really kind of rolled for me. You know, it's an amazing thing. And to, to jump way far ahead uh, to Star Trek, well, tell let's you. not go there yet. Let's not go. To let's not go yet. there yet. Okay. No, no, because <laughs> I, right. first so of all, I, I'm so there's, there's, there's a connection. Yeah. Okay. I'm so fascinated by this whole, this post new frontier optimism where we're going to send Lawrence Luckabill into Sudan to win the hearts and minds of the people. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and how old is the guy? He's 21? <laughs> yeah. yeah so he's he, going to do it. And well, then you know, you know uh, how how old was uh, Irving Thau? <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> right. You had a better heart. Yeah, they were all twenty three when they started. <laughs> what's his but, name? Stephen. Uh, what's his name? <laughs> well, plus back in the in the uh, uh, in the Roosevelt administration when they were doing their reach out to South America. Yes. Uh, they, you know, they sent Orson Welles for crying out loud, and he was uh, what uh, twenty six at the time. That's right, and they also sent Desi Arnaz, who That's was about twenty eight. Yeah, mm -hmm. twenty nine. Yeah, he was became an ambassador. Right. Yeah, there's and a history so, of this stuff. It, it's so interesting because obviously, as as someone who is uh, so politically inclined and 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 started, you know, your career in a sense. Um, uh, you know, the, the equivalent of the, the Peace Corps, but, you know, sort of doing theater for people who didn't know they wanted theater. Um, you, yeah. you then went on to play all these seminal figures in and iconic figures in American history, whether it be Teddy Roosevelt or or, or Hemingway or certainly, you know, Clarence Darrow. And then finally with the, the great LBJ, you know, which is interesting how that connects you know, you're continuing post Kennedy with the yeah, Mark. Mark, what 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 that was the culmination of a of a passion that I didn't know I had when I started out doing this thing. I I grew up in the Ozarks, and uh, the the I knew there was something better out there uh, than what I had at home, and my parents were blue collar hardworking people, uh, and they worked at jobs I didn't like, like almost everybody. And they were uh, Catholic people, and they were automatically blue, blue dog Democrats. And uh, uh, so we had that Democratic feeling in the, in the House. We also got down on our knees every night in the foyer of our little house and prayed the rosary uh, for the uh, for the uh, godless people of Russia to uh, transform themselves from communists to capitalists <laughs> and and Catholics Catholic capitalists right <laughs> so well I so, want to ask Oh, sorry, and it was it was an honest feeling, you know. It was 
it was naive, it was foolish, it was uh, also glorious. And then, of course, you were in a sort of a very famous play, um, Boys in the Band. And what's remarkable is very rarely when you have a hit play get adapted into a feature film, do they uh, keep the cast of, of the play. Yeah, and yet, never, yeah. And you went and did that. And this is before Bill Freakin was Bill Freakin. I mean, people knew him as the director of these great documentaries. He had done The Night They Raided Minsky's, but he hadn't yet done French Connection, The Exorcist. Yes. What was that like? Because, of course, Freakin is notoriously prickly. And uh, I, I'd love to know what your experience was, you know, having done the play and now coming and doing the movie with uh, William Freakin. I love Billy. I love <laughs> Billy. Uh, uh uh, he, when he came in, he was nervous because we had done the play for three years. And uh, Mark Crowley had been given an opportunity by Ray Stark, if you remember his name. Yeah, sure, the uh, big producer for big Columbia. Producer, yeah. uh, an offer of a quarter of a million dollars for the rights to the play as long as he could cast, uh, get rid of the faggots on Broadway and uh, cast it with uh, Hollywood stars. And of course, when we heard that, when, when our cast heard that, they said, who, Randolph Scott, uh, yeah, Roddy right. McDowell, uh, Rock Hudson, who, who's, who, who are they going to cast? <laughs> so <laughs> it was, uh, uh, but nobody knew that stuff in, the, in those days. It was yeah. like, yeah, okay. Uh, but March said, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. It's the cast or nothing. Mm. And, they, and so Stark said, okay, I pass. And then uh, Cinnamon Center took it over CBS, and uh, and they decided that they, that they could make a, a movie out of this thing, and they agreed to Mart's Mart's uh, is uh, his rule. It was going to be the cast, and uh, I was the only one who had done any film. Uh, no, maybe Cliff Gorman had. Uh, Cliff Gorman and I were actually on a. Uh, um, a cop show together. He played the villain, and I played the, I think, one of the victims <laughs> on a cop show. Uh, and uh, in New York, it was NYPD or something. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, uh, but the others were gay men. There were seven gay men, and two of us, Cliff and I, were the straight guys. And uh, uh, the, the other seven people uh, actually outed themselves to play these parts. Mm. Uh, and to do it in a movie, uh, to do it off-Broadway is one thing. Uh, that's a limited audience. It's a, it's a great audience, but it's a limited audience. But to do it for a movie, to out yourself and say, okay, I'm a gay man, you realize at that time what the limitation that put on them for nineteen seventy yeah. film roles or television roles at all, period. It's like uh, uh, at that time, if if you were Latino, the only thing you could get was a, 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 a dope dealer or, or a busboy mm. in the films. And when I talk to people down here in Palm Springs, I go to the uh, Latino heavy high schools, and I talk to them about this. They say, what do you want to do? And they, 
and they don't know what they want to do. They just have this enormous energy and there's so many immigrant juice that they want to give to this country. Yeah. And it's so exciting to me. And uh, I, I always tell them, you got to make theater right where you are. You have to make films right where you are. And of course, that's that's the way it's going to happen. Uh, and it is happening that way. Yeah. Lynn Miranda and these people, sure. they, make, they, they make what they know, what they do. So it's uh it's uh it's it's an incredible uh, I've had uh, 60 years of this and uh I'm still um I've had a lot of operations I've been in a hospital a lot uh who knew that getting uh, to be almost 90 years old was like a, a, a this kind of shit that was going to dump on you this <laughs> <laughs> you know it's uh, at 80, 88, uh, well, you wake up and you say, everything working? Okay, I'll get out of bed today. <laughs> well, before we get to Star Trek, I got to ask you, because as someone who has spent all this time in a theater where uh, the yeah. actor is sacrosanct and you have rehearsals and you have all this time, you then go and do Messenger of Death with Jay Lee Thompson, who's only there because Charlie Bronson doesn't want to do more than two takes. You know, so yeah. what, yeah. what is what was that like? You know, and and you know to go from somebody like William Friedkin, and obviously uh, Jay Lee Thompson was a great director in his prime, but you know by this time when he's doing the Canon films, it's like let's just get it done so Charlie doesn't complain. Uh, what was your experience like doing that? And this is right before you did Star Trek for. With Friedkin? No, with with, uh, with, Jay, with Lee Jay Lee Thompson on Messenger of Death. I'm sorry, with who? Jay Lee Thompson. Oh. When you did Messenger of Death. Oh, yes. Oh. oh. Yeah. I mean, because yes. he was literally there just because yes. Charlie yes. wanted he, a guy. A great director who now was just uh, marking time, mm. making money. Sure. Yeah. Making dough. Taking a paycheck. But, you know, that was interesting. My wife did a... Uh, um, the, the the jazz singer with uh, Olivia, and Olivia right. at that time was very ill with cancer. But he was doing the movie, playing the father. Right. And uh, you know, I rent my garments. Yeah. To whom? Uh, <laughs> uh, he was the old the old uh, Jewish father. Yeah, the cantor. Yeah. Son. Yeah, the cantor. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he said. Frankly, to Lucy, uh, they were they were watching the, the watching Neil do the the musical number at the at the Pantages Theater in uh, L.A. and she said, uh, "Are you uh, are you tired?" And he said, "Yes, I'm tired. I'm very ill. Actually, I have cancer." And she said, "Oh, oh I'm so sorry." He said, "No, no, this gives me an opportunity to come here." and do a film like this, uh, which does not take much from me, but gives me my medical bills paid. Sure. Mm -hmm. And this is Lawrence Olivier. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he was doing it for his son and his new wife, uh, whatever her name is, was. Mm -hmm. um, so all actors are pretty much the same. And, and the directors, when they can hold on to it, uh, and I, 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 Thompson was good. He was good. He was he was very efficient. 
But every British director I've ever worked with had had such juice at 80 years old or 70 or five years old. Nice. They were, they were, I, there's a system there that uh, marks, marks you as somebody important when you go into the uh, arts right. and uh, you can, you can actually have a, a career uh, that goes up and down. It goes sideways. Uh, you, you don't get your, your druthers all the time, but they're used to that. So uh, it's it's a really good place to work for actors. And mm -hmm. um, for for us, uh, we have we have a system, a different system, uh, which is uh, basically capitalist based. Uh, if you if you know, if you're out, you're out. If you're in, you're in. Right. And uh, you know, hang on, just hang on for the ride. Do whatever you can do. Yeah. 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 But Friedkin was coming off Minsky's, where they refused to give him final cut, and uh, he was pissed with that, and he was also scared, and he took on this thing about gay men, and uh, uh, taking on a play that had been done for three years by really good actors, uh, really good ensemble players. And his job now is to, when you're, when you're watching a play, you're seeing everybody on the stage at the same time. And all of the, all of the jokes, all of the interplay goes from one to the other, and particularly in our play, which was a, a birthday party. And so uh, uh, jo Billy's job was to cut that into, into um, close-ups. Right. So the so that there were you know the effect the proper effect was there, and uh, he did an absolutely stunningly brilliant job of doing that. I was amazed as we worked with him, and he was also uh, uh, arrogant and yeah. Chicago, if you know what I mean. Yeah, he was yeah. Chicago, and my my sister lived there all her life, so I. I recognize the toughness and the my my sister I should say is the mother of the guys who made the Matrix, and uh, ah. yeah, the and, Wachowskis, yeah, yes, yeah. the Wachowski sisters now, yeah, and uh, uh, that family, the Wachowski family, were as tough as they come, and uh, they're a Chicago bunch, right? Uh, even though uh, my sister and I grew up in Arkansas. And uh, I, I must say, I'm. I think I'm a, I'm a New York bunch myself. Right. That's where I went, and uh, I got. I made it in New York, and that 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 has been the glory of my one of one of the glories of my life is is that town, and yeah. you, you, and you, what choose, it, you choose your tribe when you can. Yeah, you choose your tribe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about speaking of exuberant directors, um, uh, William Shatner and your experience getting roped into this world of uh, Star Trek with Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, uh, yeah. in which you played the memorable character uh, antagonist or uh, of uh, Cybok. Yeah, yeah. Or as I as I explained to to Bill uh, when he said, "How are you going to play this?" I said, uh, "Like Lennon." <laughs> and I said, not, not John, Vladimir, 
right. <laughs> Although the John version would have been fun. <laughs> he said, he said, uh, we were having our, our talk at, uh, at a, he invited me to dinner. I said, sure. So we meet and it didn't turn out to be dinner. This is typical Shatner. Uh, it was, it turned out to be a, an orange Julius standing on the, at the counter with a oh, paper cup. And that's, that's when we had this, this big conversation, but he actually cast me because of Lyndon. Yep. Mm. I had done Lyndon Johnson right. and for PBS and, uh, it was a very big success, and I was totally freaked when I got the job because I, it, it was 69-page script, single-spaced, and David Susskind said, uh, we're starting next week, and we're going to be shooting in, in Canada. And I said... In Canada, shooting LBJ yeah. in Canada. That's uh, Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, I, and I said, next week is Christmas. <laughs> And? and I have five children. <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyway, uh, that worked out. And uh, I, I resisted pretty much everything that was uh, offered, given to me, uh, because largely I was scared. I got scared about what? About failure? No, just that I would not be up to it. Right. Uh, comparison not about, not about commercial failure or anything like that that has never been part of my life and money has not been part of my life either or even though i've made a lot of money uh and um uh, and uh, a good thing too because i have five kids uh <laughs> so i've spent most <laughs> <laughs> but anyway okay shatner um <laughs> Here's what happened. I was given a call from somebody at Paramount, and they said, uh, you have an appointment at at Paramount to blah, 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 to see about the, the new uh, uh, Star Trek movie. And I thought, okay, all right, all right. I know how this goes. You drive there. The guy says, the guy at the gate says, who are you? Why do you want to come into this glorious place? Uh, we have to see all your IDs and all of this. And have you committed any crimes today? Blood and, test. Yeah. yeah and, they, and, and more recently, they've been armed. Yeah. <laughs> These guys at the gate. Anyway, I get there. And the guy at the gate comes out of the booth. And he says, Mr. Luckenville, good to see you. I said, okay, hi. What? Hi. <laughs> uh, and he says, uh, just you leave your car right here. Someone's going to park it for you. Well, what? Okay. How will I find it later? <laughs> 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 anyway, uh, a golf cart comes and somebody says, Mr. Luckenbill, climb on. I get on a golf cart and we go to the bungalow and, uh, you know, all these little bungalows that they have, the, the directors and the people working. So I go in to the bungalow and everybody gets up from their chair. That was uh, the producer, the writer, the uh, uh, Bill, and somebody else. And they say, hi, 
Good to see you. Sit down. How are you feeling today? Fine, fine. I'm good. I'm good. I'm always good. Uh, well, uh, um, what was the producer's name? My goodness. Mark Bennett or Ralph Winter? Mark Bennett. Mark Bennett. Yeah. Mark Bennett said, uh, Bill, do you want to talk first or shall I? And Bill said, no, you talk. And uh, Harp said, well, uh, Larry, we've been uh, we've been thinking about uh, a particular part in this this film, and we think you're perfect for it. And Bill said, I think you're absolutely perfect for it. And Harp says, oh, yeah, okay, Bill, you want to talk? <laughs> <laughs> and so they vie back and forth for who's, who's in, in charge and who's going to be saying what. But it turns out that Bill had been in some hotel uh, one Sunday night when he tuned into PBS and saw Lyndon. Mm -hmm. And he said, uh, I saw you do that, and I knew that you were Cyborg. Hmm. And I said, oh, that's interesting. I wonder how that... The connection. <laughs> yeah. well, that, that scene where Cyborg holds the dog up by his ears? I think is what he was thinking yeah. about. Or, or shows his scar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he drives the golf cart into the water. Uh. <laughs> he, he, drive, he drives drives the uh, the the guys in his uh, pearl pearl Cadillac right into, right. The, into the pond. Yeah. At warp speed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, so Bill Bill knew what he wanted mm -hmm. and i had never had an experience like this with the with the films uh except i guess for boys of the band because we were all just we came in as a group and uh and uh other films you go in and, and they want to uh parse you this way and that way and they want to know what uh what your does your eyebrow always twitch like that you know when you say, or, or would you smile for us? And, uh, those kinds of things. Uh, and uh, they're not very subtle about it, generally. Uh, but uh, I've, I've learned a lot about how to, how to audition in Hollywood. And the best way is to just say nothing. Say, uh, did, did you read the script? Yes. Yeah. What'd you think of it? Loved it. Okay, thanks. Uh, we'll give you a call back. Yeah, let them <laughs> fill in the blanks. <laughs> but in this case, in this case, they were vying uh, Harv and, and Bill to tell me how welcome I was. And I, I was stunned. I was absolutely stunned. And uh, they finally gave me the script, and they said, take it home and read it tonight and let us know tomorrow. And I said, okay. I thought I could really let them know now. <laughs> <laughs> I figured whatever they were going to write was going to be okay. Mm. And uh, I, I took it home. The first thing in the morning, I called Bill and I said, I, I, I'm in. And Bill said, great. Shall I call her? Yes. You call her, not me. Yeah, right. So I called her and told her the same thing. And uh, it was uh, an absolutely... Uh, I don't know. Uh, things, things, the, the things were on a rise as 
William Yates might say, you know, uh, the, 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 the center was holding and uh, yeah. I was able to get this, get, get the feeling that I was wanted. Mm -hmm. And for, for an awful lot of actors, that is all that's needed. You know, I, I, and it almost never happens. Almost never happens. We we talked talked to Kate Blanchett, who who was uh, on the on the on the boards to play uh, Lucy uh, with with uh, Amazon, and uh, then they switched and, and changed and and gave it to uh, what's her name Nicole Kidman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they just uh, kind of yanked Kate around for a while. Uh, and I'm not sure why, but she eventually did not feel welcome at uh, at the company that was doing it. And so, when you're when you're as good as Kate Blanchett, you're surprised that you have to fight for stuff like that. You know, mm -hmm. I, I mean, it's it's amazing. I'm just I'm I'm trying to keep all you guys in, in eyeliner. <laughs> Well, I want to ask you, other than obviously the family legacy <laughs> that your, uh, your your wife's mother is the reason Star Trek even exists, yes. did you know much about Star Trek going into this other than it was this big pop culture phenomena? No, um, I, I I I had repeated the same the same thing that I did with uh, with Lucy when I met her. Uh, she we I, I took her for a drive. I was in Chapter 2 uh, on Broadway. Uh, Lucy was in there. They were playing our song. We were five blocks apart. So uh, I had seen her opening night because it was an off night for uh, for uh, Chapter 2. And I thought, this ga this gal has a lot of juice. Boy, she's a very interesting person. And, uh, but I, and I was in the process of getting a divorce at that time. And uh, that happened, and uh, it was very unpleasant and uh, sad. And uh, uh, and right after that, some uh, there was a cast change at, at uh, my play, and the person who came in to do the new Jenny uh, said, I, I'm nervous about this. Would you give me some coaching? And I thought, hmm. I could get in real trouble with this because you don't, you don't supersede Neil Simon, you don't supersede Manny Eisenberg, you don't supersede the uh, production stage manager whose job it is to give corrections, right. and, and to uh, help the actors. But I said, okay, I'll I'll do what I can. Uh, I'm a nice guy, a little bit foolish. A little bit foolish, and uh, or maybe a lot foolish. <laughs> anyway, at that point, I had not met Lucy, but I met her with this person at Joe Allen's restaurant, and I had been divorced. I think a couple months, and I had no interest whatsoever in any more relationships with women. Uh, I was not going to get. Uh, into that situation again. I had two children already. It was now my job to take care of my two boys. And uh, I bought three plates and three forks and three bowls. And I moved to a different location. 
And I said, okay, this is my family now. It's me and my two boys. And I walked into Joe Allen's, and I met the change factor of my life, Lucy Ornez, who just, she had a hunger in her to know, to know things. She had a hunger in her that was so different from just an actress. She was something that really hit me hard. And, it, and I hit her hard, too. So we were hooked from the first moment, really. And it was one of those things where you want to write a song about it, but the song will not suffice. Right. You, you know, I've been, I've been trying to work, in a, work on uh, that scene in, in the book. I, I've written it about 12 times, 15 times, to, to, to say just what love at first sight means. Right. And it does mean something. Anyway, um, I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> well, I wanted to, <laughs> have to say, you mentioned not superseding, you know, the director on the coaching. So I wonder what it was like for, yes. you know, did you talk to Leonard at all about this idea of playing a Vulcan? Or well, I didn't it? because people told me that Leonard wanted to play both parts. Mm. That's really? a new thing, maybe for you to hear. That he wow. was he was pretty insistent that I could I could do this split screen. Wow. And uh uh more power to Leonard. Leonard is a wonderful actor. And uh so we started off with a little bit of a distance between us. Yeah. But we ended we ended so well with the two of us yeah. melding just before I jumped into God's arms and died. Right. You know? right. And uh, it was, and, and after that, I would, we would go to Leonard's house and hang out and all of that sort of thing for a while. But, and I was very sorry to lose him. But uh, now uh, you mentioned yeah. something. There's no proof of you dying in that movie. That's right. And <laughs> so, so why did I? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> why why hasn't there been a revival of Cybok? That's what well, I Well, you know, what time is it? It's coming, I think. <laughs> I agree. Cybok is a fascinating I character. love that character. Yeah. I absolutely I love him. Uh this was part of my learning process that brought me to the four one man shows that I did because I realized with Boys in the Band, I had a little uh, epiphany. After the after the uh, and I'm going to connect it up uh, after the uh, workshop where we did it for nothing, uh, uh, ten, nine actors, uh, fifty seats in an old uh, Van Damme Street uh, uh, theater that was probably condemned, but we were still in it, uh, and uh, it, we opened a workshop uh, because Edward Albee. Uh, supported us, even though he hated the play. He thought it was trivial compared to his stuff, and mm. but it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, but uh, you know, Eddie was Eddie. Uh, anyway, we we did the play, and we had a week's rehearsal, uh, more like six days, and we threw it up on the on the stage. And uh, afterwards, the director came back. And and uh, we said, well, how was it? And he said, bumpy. 
<laughs> but we couldn't rehearse anymore. So that was it. We just had to play the play. And uh, the morning after our, this opening, I was going across, across town from Sullivan Street in the village to my bank to deposit a $135 check that I had uh, from my, uh, I had a soap opera at the time. Uh, uh, what the hell was the name of it? I can't remember. The Secret Storm. Oh, Secret. yes. Yeah. Uh, and there's a funny thing about that, but I won't get into it. But anyway, I uh, I was, I had to pub get that money in the bank because of my rent. Of course. And uh, that's that's how things were at that time. If you had 130 bucks, you better get it in the, in the bank so it could clear <laughs> and your rent was paid. Uh, and we were getting not not paid at all for the uh, for the workshop. So I crossed I crossed over and and this was the morning after it was minus six degrees in New York. It was January, and the uh, I saw a, 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 a huge crowd in the in the street where I was going to pass through, which was in front of the theater. And I thought, oh my God, there's a fire! Uh, oh shit. We just opened the play. Now there's a fire. Who's going to, is, is it in the theater? But I didn't see any fire trucks. All I saw were people crowded around something. And then the, a line of people came out of, of, of Van Damme Street and went north toward Houston Street and uh, turned and went into the village. It was a huge, long line. And then I realized it was all men. That was our audience. The telephone game had worked that night, and New York knew there was a hit play in a 50-seat theater. Wow. wow. And 400 or 500 people were waiting wow. for tickets. And there were arguments at the box office as I passed by. Uh, I, I was just listening there's no ticket available. No, no, there's nothing. No. What about Saturday? No, no. Sorry, sir. Uh, I'm sorry. Are you are you moving the play anyplace else? Well, we don't know. Uh, leave your if leave your address and so on. And uh, I I I walked another block after I heard all this, uh, Michigas. And I stopped. And my. My eyes were watering, and I thought it was because it was so cold. But I realized, no, I was crying. And I was crying because this was social justice. Mm. The play was about social justice. Sure. It wasn't about gay men and all that foo Yes, it was about that. But yes, what it was really about was people seeking justice. In life to be seen, and here they were in a play that was for the first time treating them seriously as human beings. Yep, they were they were laughed at and laughed with, and that's a huge difference. Right. They were not just jokes, and they were not just objects. They were. And the first time that you feel that you're an object, you have lost 
humanity. But these these guys uh, suddenly knew they were human, and uh, and so I thought, you know, as all of my uh, dreams and aspirations coalesced in that, and I began to understand and have a goal to do things that had social justice implications. And from then on, I watched for that. And the reason I took Star Trek was I knew nothing about Star Trek. It was like the same thing that happened when I, Lucy, we were coming back from our drive up the country, and she said something about her parents doing uh, I Love Lucy. And I said, I don't know anything about that. And she said, what? I said, I don't know anything about that. She said, you've never seen it? I said, no, I have never seen it. Uh, I know who your parents are, but I, I've never seen the show. She said, wow. And the effect of that was uh, my interest in Lucy was only for her. Yeah. People's interest in her was, how's your mother? Right. You know, mm -hmm. how's your how's your daddy doing? I love your daddy's music or all of that. And this this is what it's like to be a Hollywood brat, you know, uh, which she was certainly not. She was a full person. But uh, so after after that experience, I also had the same experience with Star Trek. People would ask me well, are, are you really like blown away to be in Star Trek? I said, no. I said that Star Trek is is a very, very interesting thing, and I want to do my best. And then I began to see a few of them and realized that, uh, what's his name? The guy that created it? Gene, Gene Roddenberry. Huh? Gene Roddenberry. Gene Roddenberry. Roddenberry. I only met Roddenberry once, and that was crossing the Panama, the Paramount, Paramount lot. And he, he, uh, I recognized him, and I said, "Hey, Mr. Rodberry, I'm in the new movie." He said, "Yeah, I know." <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't happy about it. <laughs> yeah, no, no, he was. He was just busy. He was uh, okay, busy, walking fast. What was? Were you aware of the tremendous pressure that Bill was under with budget? And obviously he was fighting like cats and dogs with Harv at the time. And the studio kept cutting his budget and, and he was under so much pressure. Did that come through on set or was he able to protect the actors from all that? He tried. He tried. But Bill is a, as a, an explosive guy. And uh, uh, I, my first day on the set... Uh, <laughs> After our our meeting with the uh, Orange Julius's, right. uh, I I arrived in the bus at five o'clock or five thirty in the morning at Mono Lake. Mm. We were doing the exteriors first and up, up there, and uh, uh, <laughs> and I was in the bus with this alien. <laughs> there was an alien in the bus with me, just the two of us in the dark. The driver's driving. We're going miles and miles up to Mono Lake. And the, he, the guy never said a word. And I looked at him and I thought, well, he's not fun, you know. And I'm, I'm like sitting there thinking, yeah, well, okay, this is what it's going to be like this. Huh? So he gets out of the out of the 
the bus and uh, he pours out his cheap cheesy coffee from the from the the craft services and uh and he he walks away and he's uh I met the guy later in the first shot in the first shot he and I were the first shot right and uh, you remember the opening with me riding in yeah, yeah. of course the Lawrence the of Lawrence Arabia, of Arabia shot. shot yep yes. Lawrence, Lawrence of uh of uh of Mono Lake Moon, Moon Lake. <laughs> yeah. uh and uh uh, by the way, that was Bill writing in. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's oh, interesting. Awesome. I couldn't. It wasn't Omar Sharif. <laughs> Omar Sharif. It was not. No, it was nowhere near Omar Sharif. The first time I I rode in because Bill said, "Do you ride?" I said, "Yes." Do you? Uh, I took your instructions. I went out and took lessons, and he said, "You don't ride very well. You're not very good at it." I said, no, I'm not, because I hate horses. He said, you do. Well, fuck you. Because <laughs> <laughs> Bill loves horses. Yeah. He does, yeah. Anyway, uh, Bill took over the ride. And then when I, I stepped down out of the out of the, the saddle and walked up and said, give me your pain. And, <laughs> but it was the same alien that I was yeah. in the bus with. And I realized he was in character. I wasn't. I was just sort of dripping around. But what I I I was, I'm I'm a I'm a happy happy guy, you know. I'm an optimist. So I walked down to the set, and there was four or five guys around the camera, and there were horse trailers about a mile up the hill, and there were horses and all this Michigas that's going to happen, and Bill was fucking nervous, man. Yeah. He was like a wire. And I walked up to him and said, hey, good morning, Bill. He said, this is no time for motivation talk. <laughs> <laughs> I said, oh, I wasn't planning on talking about motivation, Bill. I was just saying good morning. <laughs> Let's go. Okay. First shot. <laughs> Get on the horse, and the horse was painted blue, and they were just finishing the blue paint. And the wrangler said, "This is her name is Dolly. She's great. She, you're going to love her." And I, I thought to myself, "No, I'm not." <laughs> <laughs> but I got on the horse and rode the horse back out to my start mark, and uh, Bill could see right then that I was not. I didn't want to kick the horse. You know, but to to make the horse go, the horse 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 had to be at a canter coming in. Well, mm -hmm. to me, a canter is somebody who sings. In, in, That's in, right. It's <laughs> Lawrence Olivier and the jazz yeah. singer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, on high holy days. Yeah, yeah. So, I I I finally kicked Dolly, and she she was kind of reluctant, but she said, "All right, I know you don't know what I'm doing here, but I'm going to save your life." So I. I'll trot in, and uh, it was not a good ride. But mm. on the other hand, I rode Dolly for several days, and I got to know her. She was fine. We never did talk, actually. But I'm not that kind of a guy. I don't go. I don't. I don't bring sugar cubes. And right. I don't bring uh, roses. <laughs> Just.
I just uh, <laughs> I deal with it. I, I've had several uh, incidents with horses in mm. Hollywood. And uh, my my first thing was at Review Studios when they gave me a seven-year contract. And after a screen test, and they said, uh, we're going to make you into a cowboy. And I, and I said, hmm, not going to work, but okay. <laughs> yeah, good luck. Didn't work. Didn't, <laughs> because even fine. though you're from Arkansas, you're a New Yorker. A New Yorker. Oh, no, Arkansas right. people are shit kickers. They don't. They... <laughs> you're like a walking cowboy. You're, like you're a walking cowboy. Like yeah, well, I'm a drugstore cowboy, maybe. So. Oh, there you go. <laughs> be, be, besides <laughs> all the the action, you also had scenes with like a great deal of heart. I mean. People forget. I mean, there's that very powerful scene you have with Bill Leonard and D, uh, you know, which is such a terrific scene. It's almost shot like theater the way Bill shoots it with the everyone hides a secret pain. Let you know, share it with me. Yes. Yeah. And uh, uh, the guy who played Bones, yeah, D. Kelly, yeah, D. Kelly. Yeah. He was very sick at the time. And everybody knew it. And what a man. What a man he was. What a mensch. He, uh, I just got a lesson from him. Uh, when he was in great pain. And uh, he, uh, he never let it show. He never let it show. I knew. Everybody knew, but he would go off by himself and sit by himself and deal with it. And then when it would come, come time for him to be up, he was up. He did the shot. And uh, he and I actually just melded in that, in that little scene. And uh, afterwards, he said to me, you're going to win an Academy Award someday. I had never heard such a thing in my life. I'm not an award seeker. Yeah. Uh, and perhaps that's because I, I've won some awards, but not because I cared. Right. Mm -hmm. Just because I just, um, I do my work. And uh, and when, uh, when he said that, I thought, this guy sees something in me, and he's been around here at this place for a long time. He told me about the when he first came, they put him in. He was a contract player. They put him in a school so they could teach him how to act and all of that stuff. And I got a glimpse of what Hollywood really could do for you. You know, the 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 best ways uh, if you took it right. I mean, uh, think of the people uh, that went through it, Ginger Rogers. Uh, you name the people, and they—they're they're all great players. And Lucille started her own school like that, and uh, she had Bob Osborne, and she had a bunch of other people in there that uh, Carol Cook, who were really successful and really solid people, solid people. Well, that—that's a—that's a beautiful moment with you and Dee Kelly, especially yes, because arguably. That performance in that scene is his best performance ever. Really? Absolutely. Well, you know what? Widely when, regarded as that. When actors connect with the eyes 
and they connect with the the whole the soul. Yeah, he's also a southern boy. We sure. talked about that, and there's something about that. The two of us really like that, and uh, uh, I think even Bill was surprised. You know, I think he it was. comes across. It absolutely comes across in the film. Yeah. It's a good moment, and uh, that's there's an, I have another good moment there, which which is I think one of my the best film moments I have because you're trying to learn how to actually think on camera, not pretend to think. Right. Not show people that by your eyebrows that just be. I'm thinking now. Yeah. <laughs> you think. No, no, you're actually thinking. You're actually thinking like the character. And I learned that from Bill. And I learned that from from uh, Bones. Yeah. And when Bill says to me, you are mad. And I said, am I? That was my moment. Because I was really thinking that. I knew you were going to say that. Awesome. Yeah. I knew yeah. you were going to say that. It comes through, doesn't it? Yeah. It comes yeah. through. When, when it's really there, it comes through. And it's alive. And that, and that other moment where he asked you, what, uh, you know, uh, what, what are you talking about? What, what, what message? And you said, given to me by God. Yes. You truly believe. And it yes. comes across. Given to me by God, yes. Yeah, and I, when I told Bill Vladimir Lenin, that message that Lenin brought was also given to him by God as it is often given by God gives to dictators all these great things that say, hey, say and do, you know? yeah. and, then, and then lets them go, uh, unfortunately. No dictator believes that they are in the wrong. That's right. And they believe that God sent them. Yep. And uh, if if there, there had been a sequel, I would think it would have been a really interesting sequel, you know, to find out... What happened? Where this, where this human aspect of him took over, right? And where the where the the uh, the Vulcan thing held him back, right? Pulled him back, you know. So, well, in, in that's, the theater, that's, how, that's how I approached the part. In the theater, you know, if you're connecting with the audience, it's between you and the audience. But Absolutely. obviously, in film. Then you're at the mercy of the editor and the composer and the director, and you don't know what the film is going to end up like. You can only know that you did a good job on stage. What was your response ultimately to the finished film and, you know, sort of the mixed reception that it ultimately received? Did that matter to you because you knew you did a great job or, uh, you know, was, was it surprising or, or what was your takeaway at the end? I'm surprised that people didn't like it. I thought it was a good movie. I accept what I see in the movies. You know, I uh, the, uh, Aaron Sorkin wrote a thing called uh, "Being the Ricardos," mm -hmm. uh, uh, which was about Lucy and Desi. An awful lot of that is just uh, Sorkin. Right. It's lies. It's not true. Mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of it is. But on the other hand, the movie works. On the other hand. The music and the 
cuts and the performances, especially of people that give it everything they've got, no matter what the script says. And that was true of that movie. It was also true of Star Trek. Uh, uh, everybody in that movie cared. And the fact that people criticized, they said, oh, it's too funny in the beginning, and then too, it did a seriousness that didn't work, and all of this. And I read that stuff sometimes. Uh, I'll, I'll happen upon some kind of a, a thread where people are criticizing Bill and the movie. But I get plaudits, you know, I get like, uh, and the one thing about the movie is Cyborg. Well, that doesn't please me. Yeah. I like the movie. I did. <laughs> my we, daughter. We do too. My daughter, was, my, my daughter was two, and we were in the Westwood Theater, and she climbed on the back of her seat and then said, That's my daddy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that yeah. is great. And yeah. we could. I ask you another hour's worth of questions, but we know that you have a, an appointment you need to make. So we're going to let you off the hook, but this has been an absolute delight and it's so great to talk to you. And we really appreciate you taking the time to, to, uh, you know, walk us through some of these highlights of your career of which well, there are only it, a few. I hope so it far. made sense. And uh, we never got to my four one man shows, but uh, I can tell you that those we can have another session about because we'd love to love to that, That'd be great. Every one of those was about a, a very important human being in, in terms of politics and, and the worst of it. And, uh, and th that's where the, this business of social justice became my, the rest of my life, it was 30 years I'd, I've been traveling around doing those plays and not making much money. Uh, but uh, I step, we stepped out, Lucy and I stepped out of Hollywood. Uh, and I've got a couple minutes here. Uh, stepped out, away from Hollywood to raise our children yeah. uh, in the country. And we went back to New York, up to Westchester County. And, and, uh, but once you step out of position, uh, you're out of position. And right. you can't get back in easy. You see people trying really hard to get back in, uh, you know, uh, after they've been out for some reason. Uh, I didn't want to go back into the Hollywood thing. I wanted mm -hmm. to do these, these plays on, on wherever I was doing them. I was doing them in Johnstown, Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. uh, waiting for the, for a flood. <laughs> it was, I was, I was all over the country uh, going going to tiny theaters and huge theaters. I played the West Point. I played uh, the Naval Academy. I played uh, Air Force Academy with Lyndon. Right. 4,000 cadets out there listening to this one guy on the tiny stage, on a huge stage, a tiny guy. And I think... I think uh, about what uh, David Susskind said to me the first day of rehearsal when uh, we're walking around. It's first day. And I was, I, I knew my lines pretty much uh, first day. I was a good, I could learn fast. But, you know, you're learning your lines doesn't mean a fucking thing. The only thing that matters is are you actually doing them, thinking them, living them are you in it yeah and charlie jarrett was walking backwards pretending he was a camera and i'm walking across the other way we were doing it 
and Seskind's watching. And uh, I looked over and I said, David, you look uh, unhappy. He said, Lyndon would eat this room. <laughs> and I said, okay, David, uh, you want more? <laughs> so the next the next couple of rehearsals I threw away so that I could eat the room. And you anybody can eat a room, you know, it's like called eating the scenery. Yeah. <laughs> but but he, he got what he he knew I could do it. He knew I could go up to that. So uh anyway. The point of that was, Lyndon, what, what did he do for social justice? What did Darrow do? What did Teddy Roosevelt do? What did Hemingway do for right. social justice? And I had to find those things. So anyway, we can talk about that someday. Fantastic. You guys, you guys are a delight. Oh, no, you're a delight. Yeah, you're this a delight. fantastic, Larry. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing Thank this. You. I know you hate Zoom, and <laughs> to have you was, a, was a real treat. Okay, well, trick spurts. That that has some strange connotations. It does indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Thank yes, you so yes, much. Thank but, you so much. It's been such funny. a delight yeah. talking with you. I love I love the Trekkie audience. I really do. Trekor. Sorry. <laughs> right. Well, we're just waiting for you now as a good Arkansas boy to play Clinton in your one man show and uh the return of Cypok, of course. I don't want to suck my cheek. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, fair Without enough. My lower lip. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will. Uh, we 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 love to have you back. So thanks, thank and you. we know we know you need to go. But um, this is great, and we really appreciate the time. Yeah, and thank uh, <laughs> and, and and thank you to Lucy for being tech support. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. amazing cameo. <laughs> yeah, I know what to do now because I see a red dot over here. I got to punch it, and then I got to plug my phones back in. You should hit that so it starts recording. Oh, wait. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, you tell Thank me. You. Thank you, you so much. If you die, then I can, I can shut you off. Okay. Thanks, right. Thanks nice, Larry. Really Thank nice you. to see you. Thanks very Take much. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. And that's, uh, that's the way it happened. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Guys, How what amazing. a great interview. Completely How amazing. I mean, that? My favorite part, I mean, look, as much as I love the conversation about Star Trek V and hearing all those things that I, I don't think we'd ever heard before, my favorite story was the epic of his trip to the Sudan. Oh, my God. It's amazing. I, I could have listened to another three hours of that because I'm sure oh, he has too. even more crazy stories about it. Look, well, we, we've always said that this podcast, you know, Star Trek is our way in to examine sort of the unexamined lives of the people we talk about yeah and i am so you didn't read this story in starlog i can promise you that <laughs> and it was so fascinating in his own words and i was saying to darren um earlier you know as even in you know i've done some of these remarkable books obviously about star trek and when you interview somebody but you can't capture these stories in a book the way they are in a podcast because right. you know to have larry first of all like i couldn't have used that story in a star trek book right yeah. in an oral history of star trek thing, it's not a as... podcast it's only a podcast because it's recorded but it's a conversation right. yeah it's a conversation and you're getting to hear it in their own words and um it, it, it was it's so great um 
you know, to hear about his career. And of course, for a lot of people in the audience, you can't understand how important the boys in the band was, right. which was a, a seminal play off Broadway. It was the first film, first play to really deal with um, uh, uh, homosexuality. Um, in uh, it was a huge success, and it really took these issues, quote unquote, out of the closet, and then became a big film under uh, Bill Freakin. So the fact that we could talk about that, um, and then of course. I have to say, as you know, we are the Trexperts, and we know we know a little something about Star Trek. But I have never, never knew heard yeah. the story that Leonard Nimoy wanted to play all the parts. Yeah, I haven't right. heard it. That, that uh, you know, he to to make that film with split screen with Nimoy playing Cybok and Spock. My Holy only question cow. about that would have been like, would Cybok then have just had like a goatee or something to set him off? Probably, yeah, probably. Uh, it's it's amazing. I mean, how would that have been? I, 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 insane. That it would have been amazing. And I, I mean, you know, we 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 love Lawrence Luckinbill, yeah. right? But I, I think, uh, yeah, to to have seen Leonard do both parts would have been. Absolutely fascinating. Yeah, I, I I don't know that if it would it would have changed the overall reception of the film um, by you know the the great unwashed outside of the circle, but that's almost that's almost irrelevant. It's just such a fascinating idea. But I I will say that I'm glad we got what we got, man, because one of the stories that he told that I found most affecting was when we were talking about that scene where they're all sharing their pain. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. you know, his his connection, I mean, just as a person, as an actor with D. Kelly, yeah. mm -hmm. right? just hearing that, I mean, it comes across on the screen. And um, I, I think that there was something very special that happened in that moment. I think that that scene required um, somebody else to be in it with them and an actor of uh, of Larry Luckinbill's very obvious um, deep thought and, and deep empathy and preparation i you know i i don't know I, i'm sure that scene would still have been great i just don't know that it could have been as as great as it was well i would say first of all you know it's not wrong to say that d was one of the nicest people ever i mean and certainly the nicest person who ever walked the boards of star trek and he's had a little competition but not much i mean d was a uh was a really wonderful guy um the other thing is for those people who are playing the um trexpert's drinking game I was surprised at how much um, uh, uh, um, Larry used uh, Yiddish words in, yeah, that's in his true. interview. And so I don't know if <laughs> that counts because it's not me saying it. That's but, right. Uh, but it is Larry. And he you did know, say uh, fuck a couple times. A, a so. good boy from Arkansas uh, using a lot of Yiddish. So good good on, good on Larry. Um, and then when he uh, asked us each in turn to share our secret pain. Yeah. Well, that, that part got nice. cut from the podcast where yeah, we all yeah. shared our secret pain. That was, uh, and we we grew stronger through the sharing. I feel much stronger <laughs> now. Uh, <laughs> but um, uh, he was just, it was, it was, it was great. It was great. You know, sometimes you can just tell when we've done an interview and we're just like uh, really uh, exuberant. This was one of those where it's like, oh, this was great. This was great. And it partially because we we love when we can shine a light on sort of undervalued parts of the mm -hmm. franchise. And, you know, as advocates for Star Trek V, um, it's really nice to be able to, um, uh, you know, and, 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 uh, shine a light, not only on that movie, but specifically on 
Larry and his incredible career, um, some of which we knew about, some of which we didn't. Well, I, uh, I, I didn't want to deflect from his storytelling when we were talking, but uh, that alien that he was in the bus with uh, was, was Rex, Rex Holman, Holman. Yep, yep. Uh, who was one of the, uh, uh, you know, uh, one of the uh, uh, marshals the, in, uh, in o- the OK Corral. Inspector in, of the gun. In, inspector, the inspector of the gun. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I thought the same thing when he's telling the story. I'm like, oh, my God, that's Rex Holman sitting yeah. with him from the yeah. beginning of the movie, Inspector of the Gun. And it's so funny. He's like, there's this guy dressed as an alien. He's just, yeah, being, right. you know, just totally, you know, just sitting there and no personality and everything. And it's like, it's all he that I character. have. He's depressed. That's <laughs> yeah, all he had. <laughs> yeah. So, but it's so funny because we all thought the same thing. Oh, my God, that's obviously. Rex Holman, and right. then he says, "Oh yeah." And then we did the scene where Bill comes riding it on the horse. Let me do it. <laughs> Never heard that either. No, no, I know. The only thing I've heard about that scene was that you know Bill wanted told his DP, I think it was Matthew Leonetti, right? Or who, who he told his no, no, uh, it was um, no. who's no, his DP on, on this? Generations. No, no, what am I talking about? It was um, who's his DP on this? It was uh, oh god, no, it was a gunshot poltergeist, right? Um, it anyway. Was the- yeah we'll he tells his dp he tells his dp he says i want it to be like the opening of lawrence of arabia yeah and not the opening of lawrence but the shot where yeah, omar the, sharif rides it on scene. the horse yeah. yeah and 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 you know with that um where everything locks in the focus and he he, he nailed it it's a great that teaser yeah. is freaking great um it's like but it's like an episode there's a great teaser and you go in the credits yeah. and um you know, Luck and Bill's great in that scene. And it's so interesting. I never heard that that was actually Shatner on the horse. Never. But it, it makes perfect sense. Why wouldn't it be? That's the one thing you never say to Shatner. I hate horses. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, my God. I never forgiven him for the death of my boy. His his cinematographer was uh, Andrew Laszlo. A- Andrew Laszlo, of course. Yeah. Um, I'm, I, you know, as we get older, the mind fails. It just takes a little more time. What we is need more Korean, time. What is a Caribbean said? <laughs> the mind fails. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, all these useless facts that I'm trying to keep in that file cabinet I call a mind, collecting dust. Well, how fun though. Yeah, how yeah. fun. It was great. Uh, and I, I, I just have to, I have to toot my own horn here a little bit. Um, for for not not from today, but from a couple days ago, you sent me this picture of uh, uh, the cat watching uh, a Star Trek episode on uh, yes. on Pluto, and uh, from one uh, from one shot, I I was able to determine the episode. So I was wow. I was very very happy to keep my Trexpert status. Yeah, it was uh, so funny. I was watching the Pluto TV. Right. And I just I turned it on. It was a Voyager episode. So I immediately went to the other channel and it was <laughs> and it was Spectre of the Gun. And one of my cats was on the windowsill looking right at Shatner and Scotty, like just fascinated. And I had to take a picture because like everyone in this house loves Star Trek. Right. Even the cats. And I sent it to Darren and uh, and Darren said, oh, Spectre of the Gun, isn't it? It's like, yes, it is. Wow. Like one frame, one frame. <laughs> remember the good old days where we could just, I'm sure we all could, just see the first second, the opening shot, one yeah. hit of music and know exactly what episode we were totally, in. Totally, we and still can. I can only do it now with the original yeah. and 99% of the time with Next Gen. Yeah. I can't do it with Deep Space Nine. Some episodes, I, Voyager... There's, I couldn't do and anything else I couldn't do. I no couldn't way. Do yeah. But, but I can still do it with the original and I can do, you know, name that tune. I can do it. Yeah, right. um, and, and, and mostly with next gen, I, you know, occasionally there, there are few that I, 
don't remember that well, but most of them I can do, do it. I remember. <laughs> he's, he's forgetting. He's forgetting. <laughs> Te- teacher, teacher. It is um, a weakness, a lack of memory. But, but this, oh, so, this was so this was so great to yeah. talk with him and and uh, and you know basically basically share. You know, I'm not going to say share his pain, but it, his secret it, happy. He didn't it have a lot so of pain. That's what I loved about that's him. That's what's so he was great. Such an optimist. Still, he's still so positive about everything and yeah. joyous, um, which I found incredibly uh, wonderful. They should have him at the conventions. They should totally get him down to a convention. I, I mean, because be I don't amazing. think he's done a lot of convention appearances. I think he'd be great because he's such a good storyteller. Yeah. 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 You know, you get him and Caitlin Dar. You do a Star Trek Five tribute. Oh my That's goodness! Right. Well, you know, bring, bring I, I, on Star Trek I, I can't talk about this on the podcast, but you know that thing that we might be doing right later this the thing, year. The thing. He would be good for that thing, maybe. I think yeah. he would be good for a stop, a stopover. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, okay. Well, we'll have to have a conversation with the guy about the thing, but that thing. to discuss you know, what guy. might be happening later this year. So many announcements we're going to be making. So much exciting stuff to share with our listeners. It's enough to make me want to stay. I want to stay, well, stay. I well, too bad. You're, you're gone. List, Mark. We're, we're, I know. You're we're finding your replacement. I don't know. I got to think about this. I got to think about staying because, I mean, if we can do more stuff like this, this is pretty well, awesome. We're going we're gonna to have to pay the, uh, you know. The rights to have uh, Charlie Evans say, "I want to stay, stay." <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I never liked that episode very much. What? Charlie, it X. wasn't your darling. I, I never liked Charlie X that much. Well, that's because you were you were fully uh, uh, fully grown up from the moment you were born. So, but there you was that, you don't there, understand that those changes line. that young people go through. I, I do love I do love when Shatner says there's a million things this universe you can have and a million things, things you can't have. Yeah, which I do not, I do love that. It's not just about what you want, it's what she wants too. I also love the teaser when the guys can't get off the enterprise quick yeah. enough. Here's Charlie. Okay, goodbye. Would you like gotta to go? Have some... <laughs> nope, gotta go, gotta, gotta, gotta get out of here. <laughs> We're on a schedule. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I, 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 uh, yeah. So look, we'll, we'll, we'll have, uh, we'll have Larry back. Uh, he has a lot more stories and there's more to tell as Gene there's might more say. To tell, as Gene used. More to tell. <laughs> I love that Gene story too. Yeah. I know. Oh my God. Are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I know. Funny. Goodbye. What was He's it very like polite. meeting Gene Roddenberry? <laughs> I love it. He was very busy. He was very busy being being angry about not being included in the in the shows. The other option would have been Gene to come up to him and say, you know, I wrote a version of this very years ago. It's called the God thing. They should have done that. It's much better. It's much better. Well, <laughs> remember at this time he was he was uh, sort of being removed from next generation as well. So yeah, yeah. yeah so he was, was very busy. Yeah. <laughs> He was very busy. He was a busy uh, man. You know, he was busy. busy. Uh, his lawyer was very, Leonard Mazelish was very busy at the time. Um, but that's, uh, yes. oh my gosh. But that that's another story to tell. <laughs> that's another drink. Darren does an impersonation. I was waiting yeah. for you to break out the Shatner for uh, Larry, but. Uh, I, no, I wasn't going to do that because I didn't want to, I didn't want to, you know, have him lapse into a uh, horrific uh, but what's PTSD that's memory episode 
I didn't want to make it about his wife because we were there to interview him. But, yeah, but it is fascinating that Lucy Arnaz, his wife, is the daughter of Lucille Ball. Yeah. And, you know, in the last couple of years, it's, it's, she's finally getting the love she deserves for Desilu. You know, everybody always yeah. loved Lucy. Yeah. They always loved Lucy as an actress and, 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 um, you know, but it really seems like people have begun to focus on the fact like Star Trek exists because of Lucy, you know, well, in a lot yeah, of ways. And, well, specifically because of Desilu. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, you, exactly. it can be debated whether or not she had personal um, connection to the show. Look, okay. she probably didn't. And a lot of these stories are, I'm sure, apocryphal. They're apocryphal. You know? But it's it's nice to believe that there was, you know, she was a guiding force behind everything. Because I would love to believe that. Um, but Look, I it, do think... definitely, definitely because of her tenacity that Desilu uh, survived and, mm-hmm. and basically took, took over RKO. And, uh, you know, uh, was able to keep it... Um, keep it going for as long as she did uh, so that uh, it was valuable to for Paramount to take it over. For sure. And what's remarkable is that, you know, you think of the, you know, besides Lucy, the two big franchises that come out of Desilu are Star Trek and Mission Impossible. Yeah. Which after all these years are still giant franchises yeah. um, in Hollywood. And uh, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. Um, and the untouchables to a certain extent. What? Have we ever done an episode just about Desilu? And no, we'd have to find the right people to talk to because partially, like I said, there are a lot of bullshit stories. You know, there's yeah. a story which may be apocryphal about oh, she thought it was about a cruise because of Star Trek. It was about like USO on a cruise, yeah. and then you know, uh, you know uh, whether or not she was the one who actually said, yeah, we're gonna overruled the board to deficit finance Star Trek when NBC was only going to pay X and, you know, Desilu was going to have to, you know, there's a lot of stuff. Look, I wonder if Lucy would actually know anything about this. Lucy Arnaz would want to come on and talk about, because I would love to find out, you know, what's true. I don't want to just print the legend. Yeah. Um, But the history of Desilu is fascinating. So maybe we get one of the authors who wrote one of the books or something to come on. Yeah, I would love to talk about that because I'm I'm fascinated with the history yeah. of Hollywood and 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 Star Trek related and all and it's a corner of it that people I think take for granted or don't really think about. Well, I'm fascinated by their lot, the 44 acres lot um, in Culver City, which is now Amazon, which is right. you know we're now picketing, but uh, it was. Um, you know, obviously, mo- most of Culver City was this this lot that you know so many legendary things were filmed, including the Star Trek pilots, and um, uh, you know, Desilu owned for quite a while until yeah. they had to sell it, and then you know, most uh, most of it was just destroyed and torn down in, it, in the mid seventies. Again, it was RKO, and mm-hmm. before that, it, yeah. or after that, it was Selznick, um, but or before that, um, yeah. But you know, the bat the the Bat Cave was there too. The interior yeah. of the Batcave was on the same stages that they made uh, the two pilots. Well, and they filmed in front of the Thalberg building for an episode of Batman. Mm-hmm. Where I remember, like, the Joker mobile pulls up in front. Yeah, and it's exactly. Yeah, yeah now, now it's Kane Daves. But the, the Thalberg building is still there. Actually, it's Kane a, Daves is gone, too. <laughs> it's, it's, it's fascinating, the history of that specific lot, because so many things have been shot there that no one knows about. No totally. one knows about it. its It's full... Uh, importance in the history of Hollywood and movies. Well, it was only blocks away from the old MGM lot, which is yeah. now the Sony lot. 
which which is what people focus on uh, because there's so much history there. And obviously MGM was a giant studio, but the, the, the 44 acres lot was incredible because so much genre stuff that we should do an episode on that. There is yeah. a guy who wrote a book about that. I should track him down because yeah. that, that's a really interesting um, story because obviously the gone with the wind stuff and, you know, they were finding stuff in stores there for years yeah. Um, flats and different things that kept getting recycled on different shows. Anyway, there's a whole nother, this is a conversation we don't need to have on the air. Right. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> now you see how the sausage is made or the um, Denevians, whatever. Um, <laughs> the Denevian sausage? How we make the gah. You mean the regular um, blood worms? It's very yeah, regular. Fresh. Thank you. Regular blood worms. Yeah. <laughs> That's my opinion too. Um, so, Anyway, well, this is great. I think we're going to wrap it up now. But <laughs> I want to remind you um, that uh, you can listen to Trexperts every Thursday, wherever you listen to Trexperts, or you can subscribe at Trexperts Plus and get uh, uh, bonus episodes of the podcast, Deck 78, which is also taken from Star Trek V, another Star Trek V connection. Um, we've had some wonderful guests on recently, Sarah Douglas, um, Kenneth Johnson, David Burke. We got some great people coming to the podcast and a lot of just us, John, about the things you love. I mean, there was, I thought one of our best episodes was the uh, Battlestar Galactica 78 discussion. Terrific episode. So uh, check that out. Obviously, the 430 movie is wrapping up its current season on Fridays, um, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. And of course, the Trek's Briefing Room with Peter and Lisa, uh, where they curate fantasy themes. No, they don't. They curate (laughs) audio commentaries of classic Star Trek episodes. It all melds into one giant I don't even know what I'm saying. And we have a bunch of conventions coming up, but you've already heard the commercial, so I'm not going to remind you. But check out galaxycon.com, creationint.com, and uh, comic slash con.org for more details on these exciting upcoming conventions we'll be at. And uh, I think that's about it for us. Anything you want to say, guys? I think we've covered it all today. Yeah. Indeed. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, um, we we met God and survived. <laughs> and, Turns out uh, he wasn't really God. That's weird. Well, you know, sometimes right. sometimes things are misleading. <laughs> <laughs> but we did grow stronger through the sharing. So uh, keep on uh, trekking, uh, ingloriously, of course, and we'll see you next week. Shh.